Chapter Four of the Fairy Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Emma Charlotte. The Fairy Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun by Catul Mendes. Translated by Thomas Jondry Vivian. 1855 to 1925. The Princess Birdie. Though she was so small that she might easily have been taken for the elder sister of her doll, the daughter of the King of the Golden Isle was the prettiest princess you ever saw. When she arrived at young womanhood, her father asked her if she had any objections to being married. Oh, none at all, she replied. In that case, said her father i shall give a grand feast and invite to it all the young princes of the neighbouring countries from whom you may make a choice that will be worthy of yourself and me do not take so much trouble father said the princess it would simply be putting you to a great deal of unnecessary expense for a long time i have had a sweetheart and there is nothing more that I could wish for than that you should give me for a husband the nightingale who warbles every evening in the rose-bush that climbs about my window. The king, as you may well imagine, had all he could do to remain as serious as a king should always be. What? cried he. You wish to marry a bird, do you? to present me with a feathered son-in-law and live in a cage? A charming idea, I must say. These mocking speeches hurt the princess so cruelly that she retired to her room with a bursting heart. In the evening she leaned out of her window, while the nightingale sang in the hawthorn. Ah, beautiful bird, she cried. This is not the time to be happy, for my father will not consent to our marriage. But to this the nightingale replied, Do not sorrow, dear princess. Everything will be well, because we love each other. And he consoled her by singing all the sweetest songs that he knew. About this time three giants who were also very famous magicians, laid siege to the capital of the kingdom of the Golden Isle. They had no need of any army, so strong and cruel were they. They marched up to the city walls and announced, in voices like so many tempests, that if in three days the city were not delivered over to them, they would destroy it to the very foundations and kill all the inhabitants. The terror caused by this announcement was so great that all the mothers ran about the streets, pressing their weeping children in their arms, while many of the courtiers talked of submitting to the free magicians without striking a blow. As a means of saving himself in this terrible peril, the king sent couriers to all the neighbouring princes, 
announcing that he would give his daughter in marriage to whomsoever would deliver him from these giants. But the princes, notwithstanding the promised recompense, kept away, believing the combat to be too unequal. On hearing this, all the people looked forward to perishing in the ruins of the city. When it happened that just before the evening of the third day, two soldiers, who were watching on the walls, saw the three giants dash out of the tent, where they had been taking an afternoon's nap, and dart off howling like mad folks. The general joy was now as great as the general despair had been, yet no one could guess the cause of so unforeseen a deliverance. Father, said the princess to the king, it is the bird I love to whom you must render thanks for this happy event. He flew into the tent of the giants while they slept, and pecked their eyes out with his beak. You will of course keep your promise, and let me marry the nightingale who sings in the climbing rose-tree. But the king begged his daughter not to trouble him with such foolish fancies, and turned his back upon her in a very angry humour. That evening, when the nightingale sang among the flowers and leaves, Ah, beautiful bird whom I love! said the princess. This is not the time to rejoice, for although you have delivered us from the giants, my father will not consent to our marriage. The nightingale replied, Do not trouble yourself, dear princess. All will yet be well, because we love each other. And he consoled her by singing new songs which he had just composed. Some time after this the treasurer of the palace disappeared without anyone being able to imagine what had become of him, and at the same time the great coffer of cedar and gold was found empty, without so much as a ruby, diamond or pearl left in any of its corners. The king, who was a very greedy man, showed himself extremely put out about this loss, and went around bemoaning it like a beggar that had been robbed of his pennies. At last he sent out heralds to all the neighbouring kingdoms, announcing that he would give his daughter in marriage to the man, prince or no prince, who should find out where the robber was and bring back the jewels. All this went for nothing, however, and many days passed without any news of the treasurer or treasure. But one morning, when the king gloomily opened the coffer, he uttered a cry of joy. For there were all the pearls, the rubies and the diamonds back again. You would have said that the room were full of stars, so great was the brilliancy of the precious stones. You can easily picture the satisfaction of the king, and he immediately set about finding out who had brought back the jewels. Father, said the princess, it is the bird I love to whom you must give thanks for this happy recovery. He had watched and followed the robber, 
and knew where the treasure was hidden during many days and during many nights with great trouble carrying a ruby in his left claw a pearl in his right and a diamond in his beak he has flown from the hidden treasure to the coffer i held the window open for him while you slept or while you were hunting you surely now will keep your promise and let me marry the nightingale but the king was as obstinate as he was greedy he grew angry and threatened to lock her in a tower if she ever spoke to him again of marriage with such a husband that evening while the nightingale sang in the moonlight ah beautiful bird whom i love said the princess this is not the time to rejoice for though you have restored my father's treasure he will not consent to our marriage the nightingale replied do not trouble yourself princess for all will yet be well with us since we love each other and he consoled her by singing the most charming song she had ever heard notwithstanding the nightingale's songs the princess languished and died of a broken heart to carry her to the royal tomb she was laid upon a mass of white carnations and roses where she lay whiter even than the flowers she was followed by a crowd in tears the king marching beside the perfumed bier uttering cries of grief that would have moved a heart of marble when they had arrived at the cemetery and were about to lay the body in the tiny grave a nightingale fluttered by and perching himself upon the branch of a yew-tree said king what will you do for him who shall give you back the princess alive i will give him the princess herself cried the king i and with half of my kingdom keep your kingdom replied the nightingale your daughter is all i want but beware lest you break your oath at these words the nightingale flew down from the tree and perching himself upon the chin of the dead placed a blade of grass between her lips with his beak immediately the princess sat up alive and well oh father said she surely now you will keep your promise and permit me to marry the nightingale alas the king forgot his oath and no sooner did he hold his living daughter in his arms once more than he ordered his courtiers to chase away the impertinent bird then there came to pass a wonderful thing the little daughter of the king began to grow smaller and smaller like a flake of snow mounting in the sunshine until she was a tiny winged creature no bigger than a baby's fist the loveliest of princesses had become the loveliest of birds and while her father too late repented of his ingratitude and howled out his arms in despair she flew away with the nightingale to the neighbouring woods. End of The Princess Birdie